Hear now a reading from Acts 2, 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound, like the rush of a violent wind, and filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every people under heaven living in Jerusalem, and at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Pragia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs in our own languages, we hear them speaking about the power of God's, about God's deeds of power. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others <laughs> sneered and say, said they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my Holy Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show portents in heaven above, and signs on earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall turn to darkness and the, and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of God for us, the blessed and beloved people of God. Thanks be to God. Today, as I mentioned before when speaking to Ruby, it is Pentecost, also known as the birthday of the church, the day in the church year when we remember God's gift of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts we just read. It's also, as Dr. Kim mentioned earlier, LGBTQ Pride Month, a time when we remember the sacrifices made at Stonewall and throughout the world since then, giving their lives 
to simply exist and love who God called people to love and who God called people to be. We celebrate the rich diversity of humanity this month. And lastly, we begin our Summer in the City worship series, where this church has historically taken a more laid-back approach. No robes, right? <laughs> and looks at faith and what God is trying to teach us, not only through the scriptures, but also through the world and the work of popular culture, and in this case, Disney Pixar's movie, Encanto. I just want to say, I think it's holy that all three of these events are sort of coinciding this day, because I think God is trying to teach us something through them about the radical nature of God's saving grace and love for all humankind and the potential when we recognize God's given gifts to reform the world for the better. Now, how many of you have seen the movie Encanto? Raise your hand if you're in the room. Online, some, so a few of you. The film just came out last year, and we have copies if anybody wants to borrow one and take it home. And it has been celebrated for its detailed animations, its focus on Spanish and Latin American culture, and its award-winning music written and composed by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who some of you may know for writing the score for Tick, Tick, Boom, um, In the Heights, and uh, most famously, Hamilton, the musical. The story begins with an old woman, Alma Madrigal, who is describing to a young child, Maribel, the situation of her family and the family Madrigal, how her and her husband, Pedro, along with their three kids and neighbors a long time ago, fled an armed conflict in Colombia. But unfortunately, Pedro was captured or killed, it's unclear, and Alma was devastated. But in the midst of her grief, a light comes to her, the light of a magical candle, a magical flame. And it blasts away all of the enemies and her attackers and chasers, and it leads her and her family and the rest of her village and neighbors to this enchanted and secluded place, a paradise in the hills, a refuge, an encanto in Spanish. The candle builds for the family a magical house. They call it casita, little house and blesses her and her three kids with magical gifts. Year after year, as the family grows, the candle continues to bless each subsequent generation with gifts. And they, each year they throw a somewhat religious celebration, a party even, on a child's fifth birthday as they step through a door and receive their new powers. In a moment, we'll play an open, I'll play an opening film from the clip the song, The Family Madrigal. For those online, I want you to know that for copyright reasons, we can't show it online as well. But if you open, want to watch it later or open it in a different browser, there will be a link to it posted. And let me explain a little bit about what you're going to see in the next five minutes. Some children come asking about the gifts of the family Madrigal, including her own. They ask Mirabel, the young child who's now grown up a little bit, about her own gifts. And she tells in the song the complex family dynamics. And she 
tells of all the different gifts that her family has. For those watching online, we'll be back shortly. Take a look and listen. That's an energizing song, right? I can't believe no one got up and started dancing. <laughs> it's a, it, Mirabelle was so happy at the beginning to tell the kids about her super awesome, amazing family, right? But as the song progresses, it gets fast and almost even hard to understand, right? It gets really fast, it speeds up because her anxiety, the pressure that she does not really have any gift like the rest of the family, or at least that's what she thinks. Until smack, the truth hits her. Her cousin Dolores <laughs> and Alma Madrigal. No power was given to her, we found out. She's an ordinary Madrigal. And so she's harboring a lot of fear and resentment. But we later learn in the movie that this seemingly perfect and impeccable family is not as flawless as they once appeared. They are dealing with a lot of baggage, like any family. Emotions, feelings, drama, they're all suppressing. And Mirabelle is one of the first signs that something is wrong. She does not receive a gift. Also, there's a strict and controlling abuela. There's Mirabelle's sister, Luisa, the one who lifted the bridge. We later learn she's struggling with all the pressure of society, has placed on her shoulders to fix everybody's problems. Mirabelle's other sister, Isabella, the one with all the flowers. She's struggling with the seemingly unrealistic expectations of beauty. And the only perfection is permitted. Only beautiful things are allowed. She can only grow flowers and not vines and ivy. Then there is Bruno, Mirabelle's uncle, who was an outcast from the family for speaking truth about the realities of the situation. He's shunned. We don't talk about Bruno. And all of these problems are masked and hidden and not really discussed. And the suppression of everything is causing the house, the casita, we later learn, to crack. It starts breaking apart and the foundations of their family start to break. They are forgetting where their gifts came from and the power of the first miracle, Ta'alma. Does the, fam the story of the family Madrigal sound familiar to you? To me, it sounds a lot like the story of the Christian church. The church was birthed in this moment in Acts, at Pentecost, after the loss of a beloved family member and part of the community. Jesus was crucified, died, was buried, then rose from the dead, and then ascended into heaven. I don't know about you, but that's a lot for any one person or any community to really deal with or understand. And the group of Jesus' disciples is in Jerusalem, and they're trying to figure out what, what happened, what to do next. In Acts 1, Jesus has promised the gift of the Holy Spirit, but he said that they will not know the times or periods that God has set for God's authority. But then, as they are gathering in the upper room, trying to figure out who will lead them and what they will do next, God shows up like the candle. 
There came a sound like the rush of a violent wind and divided tongues of fire. Flames appeared among them and tongues rested on each of them and suddenly they are filled with the Holy Spirit, the scripture says. The close group gathered began to express many different gifts and talents. They began to speak in many different tongues and languages and express different actions just like the Madrigals. Many people were amazed and perplexed. They had never seen anything like this before. I see these as the children in Encanto. <laughs> What's going on? What does this mean? What's your gift? Mirabelle. All the questions. And others sneer. And the scriptures, and it says they didn't understand. They thought they were drunk, filled on the new wine. While the movie doesn't really cover this, I imagine if anybody met the Madrigal family that wasn't from this small, little, tight-knit community, they may, may think the same thing. I think about all the people who sometimes look in on worship services and the Christian church, and they think, oh, those Jesus freaks. <laughs> they do those weird things. It explained, though, that this fulfillment, this descent of the Holy Spirit, this flame, and these gifts are a fulfillment of the prophet Joel. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. This is powerful. It's a holy moment, just like the birth of Casita, the house. And yet, with each subsequent generation, it seems slowly that the family, like the church today, has lost touch with where their gifts came from and the power of that first gift, that first gift from God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Have we forgotten? The miracle of being saved is a gift, a grace, a grace freely given from God to all those who believe. Have we forgotten? Y'all are very quiet today. The miracle is those who put trust in the Trinity, in God, in Jesus Christ, in the Holy Spirit. This is what Pentecost requires. When we remember we are not meant to live alone, but in communion with God and with one another. In his sermon, Salvation by Faith, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, puts it this way, grace is the source, faith is the condition. Grace is the source, faith is the condition. Some Christians these days, some of us in the room, we act like Louisa. We feel all of the pressure we take on all of the responsibility. They think it's, we think it's all up to them. I'll put myself in this category. I think it's all up to me to save the world. And I sometimes forget who saved the world first, where the real salvation comes from. Is that you? And then there are some who think that all that they earned and all that they have done, all that they have built, they have done on their own. They've lifted the bridges. 
I, this is the I pulled myself up by the bootstraps mentality. They forget God and the communities that helped build all that was given to them. We had a moment at annual conference this past weekend. You know, the United Methodist Church sadly has a checkered history, racial history, that is. And we are frequently exclusionary and segregated. And for much of our history, many people didn't want to talk about this ugly part. They still don't always want to talk about it, and they do not want to talk about the fact that we had whole different jurisdictions and conferences for people of color. And we often put undue financial burdens on churches of color. And we closed churches and sold the property of historically black congregations and gave those funds to plant new white churches. And yet, holy moments came in conference when we remembered, when we recognized the origins of our gifts. When the church began to face its past directly, in eight plus years of going to this annual conference, I have never seen that. We acknowledged the decline and the closure of historically black congregation and voted to recommend that that property be sold and returned to the people who literal blood, sweat, and tears went into that church be given back to them. There was a moment of repentance. Pastor talks about this a lot, right, from this pulpit. A turning toward God. A remembrance of the Pentecost. A remembrance of that we did not do this on our own, but with others' help and with the Holy Spirit. Some Christians these days, you know, act like Isabella, flower girl. They focus on perfection and they forget authenticity. They forget vulnerability. They let the pain and the hardship settle into their hearts and their lives and they let it fester underneath the surface. They forget that the only way that their neighbors and their church family may help them, now hear this, is if you let them know what is going on in your life. Fully and completely. No one can help you if you keep everything to yourself. All the struggles that you are going through. It is clear from the Pentecost event that the church and the body is where new life happens. It happens in community, in rooms like this, in small groups. It happens when we remember we're all in this together. And some Christians, oh, they're like Alma Madrigal. They hold so tightly to their gifts that they, they, that they like to think that they control who receives gifts and where gifts come from. And this literally causes cracks in the mortar. Cracks and things start to arise. We just see this here in Atlanta first. For those watching online, we see this in our, our inner building. Cracks and tears in the ceiling. Because it cracks. And it has taken, because we have not taken the, the responsibility for this sanctuary as well as it could have been taken in the past. And we had to wait till an event occurred, right, Mary? Severe water damage, right, Wayne? For us to realize that there's a problem. Why do we wait till there be an event before we take care of our secure 
foundation. Again, the miracle of being saved is not that we save ourselves. That is a gift that comes from God, from the cross, from Christ's life, death, and resurrection. And if we remember this, if we put our whole trust in God, this is when we are the healthiest and the most whole. Pentecost requires us to come to God, to acknowledge the grace. It's not me, it's you. All that I have, all that I am, comes from you. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But y'all, we cannot wait. We cannot wait to put our faith in God until walls are literally pulling from seams. We cannot wait to put our faith in God to enact common-sense gun laws, to address racist pasts until all of our children are dead. We cannot wait to put our faith in God to wear a mask, to get a vaccine, to get tested until we're lying in a hospital bed. We cannot wait to put our faith in God to enter community, to seek help for addiction, until we've lost our family, our friends, and our livelihood. No, the opportunity to repent, to turn toward God, to enter a community of believers is now. Do not wait for the cracks to sure up your foundation. Personally and socially. The wars, the violence, the anger, the hate we're seeing in society right now, I truly believed is simply postponed repentance. A failure to acknowledge the Pentecost, the source of our gifts, and toward, toward God and community. This is the miracle of being saved. The new heaven, the new earth, the new creation, the encanto in Spanish, if you will. What Pastor Jasmine preached on last week, what we talked about in the book of Revelation, the summation of God's glory, God's holy story, sanctification and glorification, it only happens when we remain together, when we stay in love with God and one another. All are welcome in God's holy family in God's holy church. All are welcome at Atlanta First. Hear the invitation. Welcome to the family. All who turn toward God and remember the source of your gifts. In the name of the Creator, the Christ, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.